Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. On today's show, new U.S. men's national team coach Bruce Arena talks about the challenge ahead and his coaching story, which included sitting in his office at the University of Virginia in the 1980s with Bob Bradley and listening through the air vent to the team talks given by coaches in the visiting men's basketball locker room next door. At the time for me as a young coach, and uh, eventually I had Bob Bradley sharing uh, the office with me as well, listening, we learned a lot from arguably some of the top coaches in the United States on, on how to deal with a team. So it was an invaluable experience. All that and more coming up. This episode of Planet Football is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Guys, whatever you're wearing right now, Mac Weldon is better. Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. I just got some Mac Weldon boxer shorts, and I can honestly say they're the best boxers I've ever worn. And Mac Weldon wants you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they will still refund you, no questions asked. They aren't just comfortable. Mac Weldon looks good and it performs well too. It's good for everyday life, going to work, going on dates, and working out. All their products are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. I wish my jeans had been antimicrobial when I had only one pair for the entirety of covering Euro 2012 in Poland and Ukraine. Alas, they were not. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using the promo code PLANET. Easy shopping, great customer service, good-looking, super comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, and hoodies. MacWeldon.com, 20% off using the promo code PLANET. All right, on with the show. Our guest today is now the U.S. men's national team coach for the second time. Bruce Arena took over last week for Jurgen Klinsmann. Arena was also the U.S. coach for two World Cup cycles, leading the U.S. to the World Cup quarterfinals in 2002. He has won five MLS Cup titles with D.C. and L.A., a record for a coach, in addition to five NCAA titles at the University of Virginia before he started coaching in the pros. Thanks for joining me, Bruce, and congratulations on the new job. Thank you, Grant. It's a pleasure to be on. There's plenty in the news to talk about right now around your job, but I actually wanted to start by looking back. In the first story I ever wrote about you for Sports Illustrated on March 23rd, 1998, I told the story about your days at Virginia in the 1980s when your coach's office was connected by an air vent to the locker room for visiting basketball teams. And you would go there before games at halftime and listen to Dean Smith and Coach K and Jim Valvano address their players. And you told me at the time, ACC basketball has been my greatest influence as a coach. What exactly did you learn listening to those coaches? Well, when you hear them privately or talking to their teams, uh, you get a better understanding of how they get the attention of their team and, and, and the points they hit on and the different personalities as coaches and how you can connect and communicate with players. So I think at the time for me as a young coach, and uh, eventually I had Bob Bradley sharing uh, the office with me as well, listening, we learned a lot from arguably some of the top coaches in the United States on, on how to deal with a team. So it was an invaluable experience. 
Were there any particular stories, any particular coach that stood out to you for some reason? Well, Dean Smith was like a professor. Not surprisingly, Jim Valvano was a comedian. Uh, Lefty Drizel, uh was a little bit of both. Bobby Kremens was different. Valvano was... They all had their personalities injected into their coaching style, which I, I thought was important, and then basically said to me, be who you are. Now, I have always thought of you more as an American sports coach than a soccer coach. Do you agree with that? And, and do you think you could have coached at an elite level in other sports besides soccer? Well, I, I did coach lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly I think you would, coaching is coaching. And uh, you obviously need to know the, uh, the tactical approach in sports. But you have athletes, and you've got to figure out how you piece them together on the floor, on the field, or whatever, and how you communicate and uh, apply all the things that are necessary to make them into one and make them into a good team. So I think you know, the, the skill of coaching is, is pretty common in, in every sport. Back in 2006, I wrote another feature story about you for SI in which you said, I know how to make a team. When you talk about making a team, what exactly goes into that? Well, obviously, the, uh, the technical and tactical requirements and positions are necessary. But I think uh, what's critically important is the, is the mindset of the players and how they accept direction, how they fit in their teammates, and, and their desire to win. And a lot of players have the technical qualities necessary to play, but they, they don't have the mental qualities. So I, I always look at that as well. And, and, and I think that's critically important when you're trying to build a team that needs to be successful. I find that the majority of today's U.S. fans weren't actually following the team in 2002, in, in part because the team has gained so many new fans in recent years. So I want to ask you about that 2002 team. What was so special about the 02 team of yours that took it farther than any other U.S. World Cup team in the modern era? I, I think we had tremendous balance. Uh, typical of a, a U.S. team, the, the goalkeeping was good. We had a, a good hold-up strike in Brian McBride. We had energy and speed out of Beasley and, and Donovan. We had experience and technical qualities with uh, O'Brien and Reyna. And we had a back line that could do what they needed to do with a combination of Pope and Sana and Burr Walter, et cetera. So we had, we had great balance, but more importantly, they wanted to play for each other, and uh, they were probably uh, greater than the sum of their parts. But that, again, goes back to that, the mental qualities of players. And these were guys that embraced the challenge and embraced the, the difficult opportunities you have in, in not only qualifying for a World Cup but actually being there. So that was a special team, and, uh, and I'm hoping we can bring back some of those qualities to the U.S. team today. Do you think that's part of the American identity, soccer-wise, that being better than the sum of your parts? I think so. At this point in time, yes. But I think those are the qualities that American athletes have as well. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, you know it, we are who we are. And I think American athletes are bright. They're educated. They're uh, talented uh, to a degree. But they also know what, what it takes to be a good team. And... 
And what we might lack in star quality, I, I think we can make up for in, in being one and being a good team. Do you think today's U.S. team is better than your 2002 team? Uh, we would only know that if this team qualifies for a World Cup and, and goes through the competition. Uh, right now, uh, there has not been a team over the last 14 years at the level of the 2002 team. And uh, that would certainly be a goal to be able to do that again. Now, I remember writing back in 2002 during that World Cup as you went to the quarterfinals that you were the biggest personality, in my opinion, on that team. Do you think that will be the case this time around? Well, first of all, I don't think I was the biggest personality. <laughs> I'm hoping it's not me because uh, uh, the guys that are going to be responsible for getting results are the players. And uh, if I'm able to, to pass on that responsibility properly to the players and they embrace it, I, I think we can do some good things. I wanted to ask one question about the 2006 World Cup experience. What do you take out of that when the U.S. tied Italy but went out in the group stage? Well, I think clearly there's a fine line. And uh, we were probably a couple of plays away from being in position to advance into the next round. So it is a fine line. But one thing for sure is uh, on, on day one, your team needs to be ready to play and you need to get a result. And we weren't able to do that in 2006. We did it in 2002. So you obviously have not been the U.S. coach since 2006, but I've read that you think you're better equipped now to handle the U.S. job than you were even in 2006 after eight years on the job. What is something specific that you think you're better equipped to handle now than 10 years ago? Well, one of the advantages I've had is from a distance I could observe the national team mm -hmm. and understand what they're going through and maybe what I would do uh, as opposed to the coaches at the time. But obviously I've been on the field for the last 10 years and you continue to grow as a coach. And I, I think that's the, the, the greatest advantage I have is I'm hopefully 10 years smarter than I was in 2006. <laughs> when you've been watching the U.S. team play games in recent years, what would the setting be? Who would you watch with? It's generally myself, to be honest with you. I, I don't like watching with other people. However, uh, the last game they played in Costa Rica, I, I did watch with a couple of friends. But I, I like to be alone and, and sit and watch and, and collect my thoughts during those games. And uh, I, I never want to watch games in public. I avoid that as much as possible. But I, I've always taken a lot of pride in watching the U.S. team play. So it's always interesting to me, and, uh, and there's always a, a piece of my heart with the team. So as you were watching this 4 nothing loss to Costa Rica recently, what were your thoughts about the U.S. team watching that game? I was disappointed. That was not a typical U.S. team on the field that day, for whatever reason. I don't want to go into all of that, but generally a U.S. team, uh, whether they win, lose, or draw, they go down fighting. And I, I think we did not have the fight that day, and, and, and that to me was disappointing. Now, you were always a huge fan of another Long Island native, Howard Stern. In the last decade, Howard has toned things down a little and become actually one of the best interviewers out there of people. Do you still listen to Howard Stern, and do you like the new Howard or the old Howard better? 
Howard has always been uh, the best interviewer. He's been a genius. And uh, I listened to him on my DC days, and he's tremendous. And I think he's one of the, uh, the greatest talents, obviously, ever on radio. I listen to him uh, every day still. <laughs> and uh, I think the Howard today is, is terrific. He's grown. Maybe that's something for me to look at, the way he has matured and be maybe criticized in the early parts of his career to today where he's well-respected. But uh, he's been fabulous. And uh, we grew up uh, pretty close to each other on Long Island. So I have a special connection to Howard. Well, one thing about Howard Stern is he is a very honest guy, uh, sometimes brutally honest. You once told me, quote, you can accuse me of a lot of things, but I am more honest than anyone I come across, end quote. Is that still the case, and how does it influence the way you coach? It pretty well is the case. You know, I can't say that I'm 100% of the time the most honest guy in the world, but uh, I, I think it's important to when you communicate with your players and be honest with them. I think it's important when... You're talking to the press to be as honest as you can possibly be. And therefore, at times, that means you're challenging people. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But so I, I think I'm a little wiser today than I was 10 or 15 years ago in, in terms of how I challenge people. But I, I think it's very important to have a, a, an honest dialogue when, when dealing with issues in our sport. Are the U.S. players today good enough? Because I get the question sometimes, well, the U.S. players just aren't good enough to compete on the world level. Do, do you buy into that? I think that's a cop-out. Do we have the best players in the world? No. But this is what I uh, remember telling our team one time. We played Brazil. Brazil has a, a thousand very good soccer players, but they can only play 11 at a time. And uh, because of that, it gives us, uh, in my opinion, an advantage. So I, I don't think our, our pool of talent is, is short. Certainly, it is not up there with the elite countries in the world. But I think the, the name of the game is be a good team. And that's going to be where we're going to put all our hard work. Wherever we have shortcomings, we'll, we'll make up for it. And I, I think at the end of the day, the best team wins. How do you want your U.S. team to play tactically, both in CONCACAF qualifying and against the world's top teams? Well, I don't know how to answer that question. I know everyone wants to hear that we're going to be play open and attractive attacking soccer. We're going to play well, and we're going to uh, be a hard team to play against, and we're going, to be, we're going to look like a team on the field. We're going to understand our positional responsibilities we're going to work hard. We're going to be uh, good teammates on the field, and uh, we're going to try to get uh, a positive result in each and every game. And we're not going to play on the back foot. We're going to be as aggressive as we can possibly be, given the circumstances. In what ways will that manifest itself that we'll see in games? Well, that's what lies ahead. Hopefully it manifests uh, into winning games. You recently said we need a better passer in the midfield than we have. Who are some candidates for that role? Uh, you know, I, I don't want to name names right now, but I think there are enough players in our pool if we align our team the right way and, and, and give a player or, or a couple of players a responsibility of playing more of a playmaking role. We will have players that make our team more dangerous going forward. We need to be a better passing team than we've demonstrated over the last couple of years. Okay. 
who are the one or two U.S. players that have been out of the picture in recent years with a national team that you think could help you now, potentially? Well, there are a number of them. I, I think, obviously, the name mentioned recently is Filehaber. I think he's someone we need to look, look at in camp in January. But I, w- I would say this, and I, I've said this a number of times over the last week, our player pool is, will not change radically. I, I'm, I'm sure there are a couple of players that will play their way into our team over the next couple of months, but I, I don't see uh, a, a drastic change. There are several more hyphenated Americans on the U.S. team now than in 2006. You've recently clarified your previous comments and said that you embrace all players that are eligible to play for the national team. But when I talk behind the scenes with people connected to the current U.S. team, they do say there's a feeling that some dual nationals, not all, don't care enough about playing for the U.S., that they aren't bothered enough when the U.S. loses 4 nothing to Costa Rica. And I know this is a sensitive topic, but if these are thoughts inside the team, how do you address that as a coach? Well, as a starting point, if that's the attitude of, of, of any players, it's not good. And uh, those players would have other options, uh, like not playing for the national team. I think that's critically important for all of our players. So that's one thing we'll obviously uh, drive home with. The, the comments that I had previously were related to uh, player development, not to the history behind a player, why he's eligible to play for the U.S. I want to make that clear. It was a player development statement, and uh, I probably didn't handle it properly, and, and the message didn't get across the right way. But it's going to be critically important that players that play for the U.S. play to win, and it means everything to them. You're about to go to Europe and meet with U.S. players over there. What is your message going to be to guys when you sit down with them? Well, I'm going to introduce myself to them and get to know them a little bit and tell them how I think they fit in and the direction the team's going to go. And, and uh, it's important that they all buy into it. So you know, we need to get our house in order by March 24th. And the players that are playing in Europe will not be a part of our team until they arrive for those games in March. So it's very important that we communicate properly. If there's any issues, we discuss it and, and we make a, a decision on the direction we're headed. Who are you hoping to have on your U.S. coaching staff, and is Landon Donovan a possibility there? I'm looking at a variety of names. Obviously, uh, a, a coaching staff at the L.A. Galaxy that's certainly uh, going to come under consideration, and, and other people as well. And uh, I think in the next week to 10 days, I'm going to have a better feel for that. I have not yet spoken to Landon. We've had communications with text messages, but I don't know where he's headed right now and whether he is interested in continuing to pursue his playing career. So uh, at this point in time, I can't answer that question. You've been coaching an MLS the last eight years, and obviously you were DC United before you were the U.S. coach in the 90s. So I figure you have as good a perspective as anyone on the domestic league. Where has MLS made the most progress, and in what areas does it need to improve the most? Well, it's certainly made a lot of progress from uh, the fact that we have outstanding venues in our league. I think the uh, 
attraction in the league worldwide is, uh, is there now. Obviously, the television package that covers our games internationally has been important for the growth and the visibility of the league. On the field, the, the player pool of domestic players continues to grow. I think uh, the league is attracting uh, a number of international players now. Uh, the quality of play is improving. And as you know, and it's been stated, the goal is to get it better. And uh, uh, that's certainly going to be the goal of the league, is to keep improving year to year. And I think uh, we're learning that it doesn't happen overnight. And it's going to take some time. And uh, the other part of the league that now has become increasingly important is they, they're now playing a vital role in player development. And our academy programs are, are blossoming. And I believe uh, within the next five years or so, we're going to see more young, talented American players on the field in Major League Soccer. Now, everyone basically assumes you're going to coach the U.S. through the 2018 World Cup. Do you potentially have interest in coaching the U.S. beyond that? I'm going to see if I can get through 2016 right now. (laughs) Uh, I'm really not looking that far ahead. My goal is to have a successful 2017 and then have a team ready for the World Cup in Russia in 2018. I could care less what happens beyond that at this point in time. <laughs> Lastly, how will you define success for the U.S. during this second time around for you? Well, clearly, uh, the number one objective is to qualify for the World Cup. And then, uh, you know, we have to get out of our group. That's, that defines success. Uh, regardless of the draw, we're going to be judged on having the ability to get out of our group. And once that happens, anything can happen. So that's the goals for the program over the next couple of years. All right, Bruce Arena, thanks for speaking to the podcast. Thanks, Grant. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Bruce Arena, as well as everyone at Digital Media and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Thanks also to our sponsor, Mac Weldon. I'd like to extend our deepest sympathies to those affected by the tragic crash of the airplane carrying the Brazilian club at Chapecoense this week. You are in our thoughts and in those of the global soccer community. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.